it just is a really catchy tune. It makes me smile every time I hear it. I can't help it. Um, welcome. Thank you all for joining us to the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, and Website Amp. Uh, my name is Jim Reed. I'm your host. Uh, if you want to learn anything about me, uh, you can go to rec.poker slash Jim. That's my wrecking crew page. And uh, you can go and visit, reach out to me from there. Um, I have the best job in the world. So every week I'm joined by a panel of rec poker wizards here to talk poker strategy. Uh, wizards, why don't you tell the group where they can get in touch with you? Hey, I'm Chris Jones. I'm 5x5 on Poker Stars and 5b5 on Twitter. I'm John Somsky, and I'm Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Kim Kilroy. I'm Fergie56 on Poker Stars and Pat Bat everywhere else. Well, thanks for joining me, gang. Uh, every week we get together on Monday night. We play in the free money uh, Poker Stars home game here at Rec Poker. Try and take each other's chips and win the gold, the uh, bronze pin, rather. And every week we take a forum from the Rec.Poker forums and we talk about it here uh, amongst the group. So this week, we're actually looking at a forum post by me. Every once in a while, I get to pick a forum post myself, and that's what we're doing here today. Um, we're taking a forum post that's based around uh, a recent study group we did with the Learn Pro Poker training videos that we release every month here at Rec Poker. So just to take you a little bit behind the curtain, um, every month, uh, Learn Pro Poker submits a, a very long uh, training strategy video that we put out on the first day of the month premium rec poker uh, members get to watch that for free and then we all get together later in the month on a Saturday to discuss the subject matter and uh, see if we can help each other with some questions and answers along the way. The theme this month was all about CBET defense. So Ryan LaPlante um, puts these videos together. They're really well produced. The slides are incredibly detailed um, and it's, it's great having just a group to get together and talk about some of this stuff with. So um, I just want to kind of go over uh, some of the concepts that are described in the video. And then I'm hoping we can just kind of talk a little bit about how, how, we, how we think about those concepts and how that affects our own seabedding. So essentially, um, th there are a few things that we had, the few variables that we have to kind of nail down. And the three ones that really came up in the video were uh, the position of the uh, open raiser, the stack depth, and the board texture. And uh, rec poker listeners will not be surprised that um, these factors are important because Chris Jones has been producing uh, monthly seminars that have come along on exactly these points because uh, this is the kind of stuff that you have to think about when you're in the spot. So, um, when it comes to, let's talk, uh, we're not going to be able to solve the whole thing today anyway. So let's, let's mostly talk about board textures and uh, how we can choose different board textures uh, to, to, to defend against seabeds in different ways. So in the example we're going to talk about here, we're in the big blind. Uh, the, a, a late position um, open has occurred and we've called and we're looking at various different board textures and how we might proceed on them uh, when faced with a seabed. First of all, before we even get into it, we talk about kind of general rules for this kind of stuff. Um, the, the first kind of general rule is that people should be seabedding dry boards differently than wet boards. Uh, now, Chris, we talked a little bit about how wet and dry aren't really 
the right ways to be talking about boards. Can you just share a little bit about how being dynamic is, is different from that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really, I mean, this is not my stuff. This is, this is kind of, uh, going off some some of the stuff that Matt Hunt's done with Sulfur Y, but uh, I really prefer the the uh, talking about uh, static versus dynamic boards. How much can this board change over the course of the hand, and uh, advantage versus disadvantage? So who does this board favor? So answering those two questions, I think, is a much uh, much more sort of comprehensive way to to think about a board, describe a board, and evaluate how we play a board versus uh, just the terms wet and dry, because you can have you can have dry boards that are dynamic, and you can have uh, they, they, they get kind of like something does when you have wet and dry. It gets kind of muddy uh, when you <laughs> don't have a sort of a way to describe it well. So nice, and I think and I think one of the one of the big differences is um, you can't really talk about who a board favors until you've started to understand hand ranges and preflop ranges and how those ranges intersect with the board. So I think it's just it's sort of a, a, an evolution of thinking when it comes to this different way of describing it. And um, in the video, Ryan talks about different sort of textures where you might uh, continue at a higher frequency or at a lower frequency. And some of the high frequency defense boards are for instance, a monotone board, um, an unpaired two-tone board, uh, or an unpaired uh, what <laughs> rainbow board. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he's classified those as high frequency defenses and um, low frequency defenses are uh, paired board uh, with two tone paired board rainbow or trip boards where it's just like seven, seven, seven is the example that he gives there. And you can see why um, different ranges are going to react differently to those uh, different board textures. Um, and another way that I really like how Ryan gets at it is flops where the highest card is X. And one way to look at flops is just what's the highest card on this flop. And on flops where the high card is a six, a seven, an eight, a five, a nine, or a four, those are high frequency defenses for us. Those are flops where we should be defending a lot. And on the flops where the high card is an ace, a king, a queen, a jack, uh, a 10, or a three or a two, those are boards that actually favor the um, open razors range better than ours. And so they are low frequency uh, continuation boards. And so board texture is obviously really important. When you're seabedding, as the villain here, um, how 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 do you how does that affect your the sizing when you're talking about whether to seabed or not, or or whether to seabed or or to how much? Is that something that's relevant to you as well? So for for me, like those things I was talking about before, um, advantage versus disadvantage will. Uh, determine if it's an advantage board, I'll see bet more. If it's a disadvantage board, I'll see bet less. And then sizing is really determined for me on that dynamic to static um, uh, sort of range. The 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 more dynamic it is, uh, the the larger I'm potentially betting versus the more static it is, the more the smaller I'd be betting in terms mm -hmm. of my my c bet sizing. So those are kind of that's why I like those because it makes 
those decisions sort of independent and it makes them sort of but they're related right but they're they become sort of like it's easier versus if you just see a board and you're like that's kind of wet so i guess i should do something uh it's a it's harder to sort of come up with that so that's at least how i approach it yeah and it's harder because there's always multiple factors right and that's why it's even hard to talk about this stuff uh in a vacuum because are we talking about the bet size okay well that kind of the the range matters the board texture matters the player tendencies matter um so you know knowing like just isolating some of the variables to work on that is important so let's talk a little bit about sizing here because the uh we in the in the video we talk about how we might proceed based on different c-bet sizes and how that affects uh, our range <clears throat> so a typical c-bet size would be a third of the pot half the pot two-thirds of the pot and um uh, without without going too far behind the curtain on the LPP video, I think I can tell you that the bigger the pot, the less the the more you have to fold. The bigger the bet, the more you have to fold. So the bigger the bet, the stronger your continuing range is going to be, and uh, the more often you're going to fold. And then it also kind of affects some of the sizings that you choose for your check raises. Because of course, there's three ways to respond to a C-bet. You can fold, call, or raise. And then within the world of raising, uh, the video from LPP talks about raising it to 25% of the pot, raising it to 50% of the pot, or shoving all in. And I'll just take a minute here to talk about, or Chris, did, is there something and, well, about I, that? Well, I just want to, I mean, this might be, I'm sure the rest of the panel, this is old news to them, but I will say, I think this is something that I, um, I am a, I'm a big person who like tries to break down bet sizing. I go into solvers and try to decide, okay, this is the kind of board and this is the kind, but, but when I have the lead and I will just say, I'm pretty lazy when it comes to check raises. Like I just have a sort of a standard check raise size. If I'm, am I going to check raise or not? And I'm just going to check raise. Right. And I have, and, but this, this video from LPP and this conversation is really, I think it's really great because he's talking about different kinds of check raises, different sizings of check raises, different spots to do a small, a medium and a large check raise, or even a, you know, a shove all in. And I will say that's not, been part of my game and it's something i uh in watching this and thinking about it it's one something i want to work on a little mm. bit more so and i and i'd encourage other people to maybe think about that as well if you if you're like me <laughs> maybe you take a really standard check raise line or or size um and maybe that's not always the right answer or the right option if i had to guess chris would i could i guess that your typical check raise size is larger than they're advocating here or i mean it fits in to one of their buckets right okay. so like my typical check raise size is sort of like you know uh two and a half to three x you know the, their bet usually around the three x that's uh kind of their bet um but um you know they're they're really advocating a wider spectrum for that and i think that's really interesting and something uh, that I, I at least need to think about a lot more. Yeah, I think, I, think, I, I just yeah. want to say, I think a lot of recreational players don't check raise enough. Yeah, for sure. So to even start to think about check raising is a good thing. And what type of boards we should be doing it on and how often sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think when, when we don't do it enough, we also tend to choose large sizings for it because it's, it tends to be like this rare thing. That's usually pretty, pretty value heavy. So um, I think some, some nuance on that makes a lot of sense looking at it. Why? So the, um, at this point in the video, so we're, we're looking at the different sizings and uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is they've got the, Two thirds pot, 50% pot, one third pot, and min bet sizing actually here. And, you know, th again, this is Ryan, Ryan's breaking these, broken these ranges down in advance. So it's all, it's all, it's all part of a coordinated strategy. But even to the min bet, uh, we're, they recommend folding 35% of the time. And I just think that's something that a lot of recreational players probably also don't quite have calibrated. Um, cause I think we see these micro bets like this and we just don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure that we're folding the right amount. Do you guys find, do you guys think that you're overfolding or underfolding to these one, these min bets, or do you just never see them? Uh, or is it, or are we responding perfectly? I never fold to them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we were talked about treating those one big blind bets as checks. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> If we're uh, um, now, having said that, when you just have a very small raise in a small call, it still might be close to one big blind might be close to uh, twenty percent of the fifteen to twenty percent of the pot anyway. So it's not necessarily a really small, small, small bet. That's so a really it good has, point. Sort of has to be taken in context, I think. Yeah, that's a good point because we should define, you know, it's like a micro bet would be like a one big blind bet on the turn that into a pod of 20 or something, right? Like that's, uh, that's different than a pod of five and a half big blinds. Uh, one big blind is a pretty big portion <laughs> of that pot. So mm -hmm. that, that is a good point. Um, so when we, when we do talk about sizing, obviously, as the size of the C bet gets bigger, we should be proceeding with a, with a lower, with a smaller uh, frequency. And the calling, I'll just go through some of these stats here because I think it's just fascinating. Um, at, the two th at the two thirds pot C bet, we're calling a third of the time, 31%. Uh, and to the 33% pot, we're calling uh, 38%. So a significant portion, um, you know, almost a quarter of that original smaller range is not continuing as a call uh which makes a i just think that's really interesting and the sizing of the check raises um as the pot size increases um the all-in uh check raise sizing gets much more uh broadly applied and the smaller sizings get uh less broadly applied uh, in the video we talk about how it's due to um, your range is continuing more strongly in those spots, but because the pot's bigger already, uh, there's more of a, an incentive to get, get that bottom chip in, um, and really, and really force the action in some of those bigger pots. And yeah, I don't know. I think, is that, does that make sense to everybody? Is that intuitive? Cause sometimes when I feel like I see those bigger bets, um, it makes me, <laughs> it, you get scared, right? Because it's like, typically those are going to be associated with uh, more value. Yeah, Kim? Well, I think when you see a bigger bet, you're just going to drop the lower, 
more of the lower part of your range that you're continuing with uh, and fold more of that range, like some of the back doors that you have and things like that, and just continue with uh, a higher equity portion of the range. Yeah, and that's exactly how we should be approaching this, of course, is it's nothing personal, it's just math. Um, just, you gotta do some math, find out where the line is drawn and, uh, and just don't proceed outside of that. Otherwise you're gambling. We don't like to gamble, do we folks? <laughs> All right, let's see if uh, Jonathan Little has anything to say about that and we'll get right on back here. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at PokerCoaching.com slash RecPoker right now. Nice. Jonathan Little, truly one of the greats. Thanks for coming on the show, Jonathan. So uh, the video ends with a couple examples of a flop that comes with a rainbow 654 board. And it shows uh, a couple solver screens facing, uh, showing us how our range would play against a 33% C-bet and a 67% C-bet. And I'm not going to try and walk you through the slides. It's just too complicated. Um, but premium members at Rec.Poker can go and join the group uh, LPP study group. And all the slides are there. All the videos are there. The videos of our sessions are there as well. Um, so you can go and follow along there in more detail. But it's, uh, it's just, I'm a visual learner. So when I look at these slides and I see all the different colors in the solver for the different actions that these hands are taking, it's just startling to me. Um, versus the 33% pot C-bet, we are check raising with like a third of our hands. Um, and versus the 67% uh, C-bet, it's a, it's, it's a fraction of that. Um, and it's just very interesting to see how the size of the bets contorts the continuing ranges. I know I use that word contort a lot on these, but this is, this is how you can see it happening here. Uh, people's ranges are affected by your bet size um, and your ranges should be affected by the bet sizes that you're facing. Um, so it's something to be really, really thoughtful about in real time uh, on the felt. Well, I don't think we solved C-bet defense there. Maybe that was too lofty a goal, um, but I did enjoy talking about the Learn Pro Poker video. And um, yeah, Chris. And just before you wrap, I will say, like, if you haven't joined this, uh, these, this study group and, and looked at the, it's, it's a great opportunity and we get some cross pollination with, there's some LPP members who joined, they're welcome to come as well. So we had a great group last Saturday. I think it was a really good conversation. I think this will continue. So uh, mark it on your calendar and, and be sure to join a Jim, Jim runs a mean study group. So it's, <laughs> it's really, it's, it's worth your time. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Uh, and yeah. I have to say, just talking about the low boards, that those are really good check raise candidates from the big blind, which mm. sh shows why those numbers were higher with that kind of board. Yes. Yeah. And it's and it's it's a, it's amazing. If, if you actually watch the video, he really zeroes in on the different variables and, and different examples of, of how that's relevant. Um, and it, it's just it's a it's just it's a very elegant 
strategy like it's just one of the things i love about poker is this sort of like bird's eye view seeing how all the different pieces hang together and complement each other uh and ryan's just so good at drawing all that out so um yeah dude join us we do a different study group every saturday one of them's about lpp one of them's about uh the focus the seminar i even do a uh, rec uh, a poker tracker review uh that's a lot of fun as well so join us for that uh but until next week, I guess I'd like to thank Website Amp, uh, Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. I'd like to thank Learn Pro Poker and Ryan LaPlante, Roger Shoot, and Stewie for sticking in the chat. And of course, Kim, John, Chris, and uh, everyone at Rec Poker Nation who makes these so much fun. Uh, thanks for all your support. We'll see you next week.